Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Breaching Extinction. This week I had a conversation with conservation artist Rosemary Canelli about how she uses art to bridge the gap between science and the public. We covered a lot of really important topics. I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hi! How are you doing, Rosemary? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, you know, just surviving this quarantine like everybody else. It's very true. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to meet with me. I love your art. I like follow you on Instagram. That's how I found you. And I think your work is really inspiring and really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've just been following your page and I've always been really inspired by, what, by who you've been speaking with and following um, I think what you're doing is really a really great cause. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a fun project, and it's kind of growing um, into something else that I didn't necessarily intend. That's kind of like bringing all the leaders together and trying to get everybody on the same page so we can like be effective in trying to to breach these dams and like get these whales saved or do whatever needs to happen to get these whales saved. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you like it. Um, we will go ahead and get started. Awesome. Um, so can you give us a brief introduction about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so my name is Rosemary Canelli, and I'm an artist. Um, I mostly specialize in graphic design and some illustration work, but with all my artwork, it's uh, conservation-based in hopes of raising awareness for the environment um, and for marine species as well. Awesome. Um, so I believe, does your bio say that you're a conservation artist? Um, so I focus, uh, my art, using my art is kind of like a storytelling tool okay. for, for raising awareness in different types of conservation. Excellent. So how do you use your artistic skills to connect people to wildlife? Um, I do it through very different mediums. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I'm currently... Uh, so I'm based on Block Island, Rhode Island. It's a small little island off of Rhode Island. Um, it's a little coastal community, but um, I'm always working with people that are, you know, interested in the marine environment. So whether it's, um, you know, creating posters or infographics or educational material. Um, I'm also working with um, a team that's based in Iceland. So uh, kind of helping them use my talents for different design work. Um, different strategies, but um, with any of my clients or my designs, um, I'm always just trying to lend my artistic skills to um, bridge this gap between understanding all this different data and research um, through artwork. I love that. Um, yeah, that's really important because so many people are not necessarily scientifically minded and like reading those research papers and everything it takes a science like a science degree to be able to understand them so like that work is really important but you know it seems as though people are more called more people are called to art as opposed to scientific literature anyway so that's really important um work that you do so living on Rhode Island how did you develop an interest for animals in the Salish Sea so I don't know, I guess at a young age, I've just always been really fascinated um, by the marine environments. And then um, when I was in middle school here, 
I was in a science class um, and we had to make this little fact card about, um, I believe I chose a seal that was here on the island. I had to make a little fact card um, talking about the seal and information about it and I included some drawings. And I was just really fascinated by the idea of incorporating data and art. Um, and then going on later into college, it kind of resurfaced going back into the whole, um, including artwork into environment. So that's what I focused uh, my senior year of college. Uh, I did my own art show. Wow. <laughs> Focusing on um, cetaceans in the Atlantic Sea, um, in the Atlantic Ocean, and our um, respect for whales and respect for ourselves and the environment. Uh, and then while I was an undergrad, I created my own courses to incorporate graphic design and arts, as long with um, learning about data and science. So through these classes, I had to create different types of posters, infographics. Um, and in that class, that's where I learned about the Salish Sea. So I was doing some research about, you know, what kind of topics I wanted to look at for conservation. And I found out about the, the Southern residents and I was just very moved um, by their stories and what was going on at the time. Uh, so I think that's when I started to become a little bit more involved with this whole idea of using art to um, use it as a bigger meaning of saving species and, you know, bridging the gap for others to understand what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So why is it important that we use art to communicate science to people? Um, so with art, I know for myself, it's easier for me to um, kind of express myself. Sometimes it's hard to find words or certain descriptions or meanings to describe how we're feeling or what we're trying to convey. And I feel art kind of bridged that gap between the art and science world and other different worlds that we're in. It's a kind of, it's a universal language, I would say, using art. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's like, I mean, even when we look at science and, and the way that people function and what it means to be like a wholehearted person or a, a human that's well, like creativity is a huge part of that. And so no wonder that speaks to so many people. Um, I was listening to one of Tara Brock's podcasts and she was sharing a story about a, like a mom and a child having a conversation and the um, mom was saying, oh, like, you know, that person doesn't know how to draw. And the kid is like, oh, how did they forget? Like, you know, to kids, it's so innate. Um, uh -huh. So I think that's, you know, that's really, really important that you do that because it just, it really does connect to people kind of on a fundamental level. Um, so... In our culture, I feel that sometimes creativity is um, stifled or underappreciated or discouraged. Um, generally, it can be like undervalued, yet so many people feel connected, more connected to art than they do science. Um, you kind of answered why you think this is, but have you faced these struggles and what can we do to continue to encourage this and, um, in other people and then support people out who are, who are already doing this work? Sure. Um, I do feel at times that art can be a bit of a understated perspective in different communities. Um, or, you know, I, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I guess I would say at times I do feel it can be kind of understated. Um, but, you know, art again is such a, a useful tool for all of us. 
I was recently reading the book um, for love of orcas, or yeah, for the love of orcas, nice. yeah, <laughs> uh, which has different artists, even scientists and poets and people from indigenous communities who were sharing, um, you know, what was currently going on with the southern residents, but through a way of writing and artwork. Um, and I feel like for me that was easier to understand, and it's easier to kind of convey what's going on as well. Um, and to hear different voices across the spectrum too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you had any experiences that have been particularly impactful as far as sharing your art or have you been able to see different individuals make that connection between your work and the environment, um, either like through shows or things that you've seen on the internet or like through your social media, I mean? Yeah, um, so I have met a lot of different artists that have used their artwork to um, bring up the ideas of helping others. Over the summer, I was a part of um, this art residency through, uh, it's called the Bear Point Artist Residency, uh, which was through the Sontula Artist Residency over um, in the north of Vancouver Island. Um, so I went and did a little artist residency there. And I met this other artist named Alana, um, and she, her work was kind of involved with uh, looking at salmon and bald eagles, all the animals that are kind of living up there and, uh, you know, working with the environment too. Um, but we both were part of this residency where we studied the northern resident killer whales and using our art to kind of look at their behaviors and, um, you know, just their existence as a whole. But I mean, anywhere I've been and where I've traveled, I've always been able to kind of use my art to look at myself and to learn from others too. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that's very powerful and it is used as connection and that's what we need in order to make things happen. That's really amazing that you've been able to do that. Um, what is the most rewarding part of your work? Um, it's, that's difficult. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many ways I could approach it. I know for myself, um, I'm satisfied if I can walk away and feel my artwork has somehow impacted or moved myself or as in some shape or form, will be able to benefit or help another community or species. Um, you know, I'm currently working on a couple of projects, um, looking at the relationship between uh, killer whales, salmon, and the reliance within rivers and trees. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just always kind of looking at different ways of how my art can, can help others and, you know, bring up very difficult conversation topics. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to have difficult and tough conversations. They're not pretty, but they're necessary. Um, and you know, the way that you described some of the projects that you're working on, that kind of makes me think that, you know, we need to, at, at least when I say we, I mean, scientists need to incorporate more artists into maybe the scientific process just not only because it will help reach people but i think the way that you're talking about those connections you may have a different eye that could help us further explore or further understand different animals do you feel that you know you've been able to like discover things or see things in a new light through your art i would say so yeah. um <laughs> I'm currently working with um, the Whale Wise team, and they're based in Iceland. Um, 
And so I've been working with a group of different researchers and scientists and they work in their own mindset of, you know, how they work with data and information. And I have my mindset that's a little bit more creative, but when we both kind of come together, it's interesting to see um, the mixes in between and how we can use our different skills to, um, to help with cetacean populations. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the general themes throughout this podcast that we've seen is that it's a team effort or a pod effort, if you will, but like, you know, we are much stronger when we come together and like, you know, your art is strengthened by the science and the science is strengthened by your art. And if we continue to kind of weave that fabric, we'll just get stronger. Um, But, you know, I'm really glad to see that you're out here doing this work. And I love the work that you've done with the Southern residents. Um, You had mentioned feeling particularly touched by their story. Is there something about them that makes you feel so connected or um like is it like a specific animal or maybe just them in general yeah so when I first found out about them my senior year of school I was just very moved by the idea that they were this close-knit family and the reliance on each other um and then it was over the summer of 2018 when I heard the story about Tahlequah um when she was carrying her child that was very moving. And I felt during that time period, there was a lot of artists that were coming out and um, finding ways to kind of talk about what was going on and how devastating this event was. Um, And I felt around that same time period, people were kind of kept moving forward and um, to to talk about these species. Um, And I think, yeah, around that time, that's when I was very shocked and, you know, killer whales have so much emotions and personalities and behaviors, um, you know, even more complex than us ourselves. And I, I guess I've just always been really fascinated by the, the way that they are and the, the way that they are in this ecosystem that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they do seem to kind of have a unique way of being and the way that they socialize with one another and how they um, work together to survive. Um, And I think that they're showing that animals do have emotions and personalities of their own. And, you know, a lot of people say it's just the orca, but I think that there's more animals that we just haven't studied them well enough to know. Um, So maybe they could be the bridge to that later on. Um, Have you seen the Southern residents in person? No, I would love to see them one day. I did get to see the Northern residents um, when I was up in Northern Vancouver. Um, so that was during the residency when I got to see some of the northern residents. Um, I was staying up on Central Island, and uh, on that part of the island, the northern residents will come up onto one side of the beach, mm-hmm. and they'll brought their bodies parallel to the beach. Um, so they believe it's a type of cultural tradition of the whales coming up to the beach as a family group and rubbing. Um, so that was during the residency when I got to to witness them come forward and it it was very powerful seeing them come together as a family unit and I mean just even watching them you realize they're all they all have their own individualities and culture um within each group absolutely yeah that sounds amazing were you watching them from the beach while they were doing this yeah so on a couple occasions we did see them from the beach Uh it came from the distance um and the researcher out there troy bright he's been studying them for over 20 years so he was kind of informing us about the whales and um his studies and uh what they do when they come up to the beach 
on one occasion, I did get to go out in, in Zodiac with him. Um, and there's a couple other researchers out there too that were following the groups. Um, so we got to look at the different pods that were going by and the major lines. And I don't know, there was just like this energy that rushed over me and I just felt so happy staring at them. And I don't know, it was, I guess it was some feeling I'd never felt before. And I didn't want to lose that feeling when I was looking at them or being in their presence. Um, yeah, it was a very moving time when I was able to be up there. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely something special about an experience with an animal in its habitat. Like, you know, when you're not necessarily bombarded with like information that a zoo might give you or something like that, just like you and that animal. But there is something really special about an orca as well. You know, certain animals we just feel very connected to. And I think orcas are one of those animals that most people feel connected to. That's, you know, that's really beautiful the way you worded it, that it was like a feeling you didn't want to lose. Um, have you been able to kind of, you know, relive that feeling through your art? I would say so. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I'm not physically there, um, when I look at, you know, photographs or videos, I, I just have this feeling of uh, I want to help. Um, and I feel my artwork is the best way for me to do that. Yeah, I think so. I I mean, it's... It's something that people are drawn to. They want to look at like there's a lot of beauty in what you have to offer more so than maybe like a scientific, a traditional scientific diagram or like, you know, maybe just like a photo that wasn't really taken by a photographer, maybe more so by a scientist. I feel people are more called to that and that can, you know, further inspire people. That would be really cool if we could incorporate work like what you do into textbooks and other things, you know. Um, I think that that would maybe get more people interested in these animals because um, I think you are you know ha- since you have seen these animals you're able to captivate like their essence in what you do which is really cool um what do you think like we can learn from the whales is there anything that you've learned from the either the southern or northern residents that you think we should share I mean there's such again there's such diverse and creatures there's so much intelligent culture that's behind each whale um and again we know so little about whales as well there's there's just so much more to keep learning um but i think they're just as equal as any human being again we need like all these species exist here on earth for a purpose um if you take one away from the ecosystem i mean we've already seen that with other animals that have been taken away um Yeah, killer whales are just such a cultural image as well in all different types of communities, and they're just loved, and I don't really know how else to phrase it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they're significant in so many aspects, culturally, environmentally, economically, you know, and and they really do reach a lot of people. That's one of the cool things about these animals. I mean, you can find them in all the world's oceans, so that, you know, not only does the knowledge about them span, but like literally they span all across the world, making them even more powerful. Um, So I'm curious as to, as far as like with your artistry, how do you find, like, do people reach out to you and say, hey, I have like this book or this journal, like, can you work with us? Or how does that process work? Sure. Um, So it's kind of back and forth. Sometimes people will reach out to me if they want help with making different posters or infographics. 
Um, and then another way around, I'll help lend my time with other organizations. So I've done some work with the Nature Conservancy, Whale and Dolphin Conservation. Um, and now I'm currently working with WhaleWise, a group that's in Iceland. Uh, we're focusing this year on a citizen science project. Um, so we're looking at ways of uh, how to gather data through sightings and reportings and strandings and working with different Icelandic communities. And so my job is I'm creating different photo identifications, posters, um, and a website to, to kind of help others get a better understanding of what whales are in Iceland and how to spot one when you see one. Um, and then I'm working a little bit with the Icelandic Orca project. So whether it be logos, designs, um, any type of way that my artwork can help portray the whales' behaviors, their studies, and the research that's all behind these great organizations. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, you know, I feel like what that's really that's really cool that they're doing that whole citizen science project. I was actually thinking about that the other day. What the world needs, I feel like, is um, a place where individuals, like you know, just people of the public, can go and like everyone learns the same thing, like the same standard as far as like, what is citizen science? How do we conduct it on this species? Um, and I know like um, Happy Whale is a place where you can submit photos, but if there was like a place, I don't know if they have any sort of training materials, but that would be super useful as well. Um, do you know if there's any other organizations that are, are doing that? Or are you just kind of familiar with the Icelandic or the whale wise people? I'm familiar with the, yeah, a little bit with the whale-wise. Um, I know, I mean, there, there's so many different groups, I guess, across social media. Right. I know there's, like, in British Columbia and Vancouver, um, I believe Orca Lab, a couple of those other smaller groups, um, where they collect data through the different uh, killer whales, acoustics, mm-hmm. things, Um yeah, a couple of the smaller groups that are over there. Yeah, that's awesome. So how can we support people like you who are in this industry that it sounds like, you know, you do volunteer a lot of your time. How can we make sure that you, we're able to support you and make sure that you're able to continue to do that? Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I do volunteer my time with certain organizations mm-hmm. just because, I, I mean, it's from my heart and I really want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I guess from a financial perspective as well, um, I mean, again, whether it's helping your friend that's selling some paintings or artwork or, you know, it's, I think it's so important to be able to fund artists because they provide so much for the world and how we move forward. And it's important to have creative people in this world too. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, you're definitely crossing a lot of boundaries and making a lot of like interconnected relationships as far as like with science and art. And then, you know, you're talking to Icelandic people as well. So are there any cultural barriers that you've had to navigate um, or or any tips that you have for people that are looking to build international professional relationships? Mm -hmm. I would say always to to be very open-minded. Wherever we go in the world, there's going to be so many different cultures and behaviors within different communities and I think it's important to to also kind of take a step back and look at these communities and how they're functioning and just be open-minded um 
when it comes to different situations and to learn from others too, I would say. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I've been fortunate enough to travel to several countries and I've definitely found if you go into to something with no expectations, that's usually better. Um, but it's always helpful to read up too, because there are certain things that, um, are no goes in certain parts of the world that you can do here or, and like, you know, the way that you dress is really important and I, you know, making sure that you don't say or do the wrong things and having that, you know, negatively impact what your mission is. Like, I think it's really important to make sure that we're conscious of other cultures, um, that's really cool. So what made you, did you seek out the people in Iceland or did they find you? I, I would say I seek them out. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated from school, from college, I came back out to the island to stay with my family. And during that winter of 2018, I, um, started to do some research. Um, I really wanted to travel a little bit and go to different communities to, to kind of jump into my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Iceland came up because it was um, one of the top whale watching capitals uh, in different parts of Iceland. And so I reached out to a professor through the University of Iceland, um, just kind of stating I was interested in that. I, while I didn't have a scientific degree, I did have an art degree, but I wanted to combine um, whale studies with art um, so then I was very lucky to go up for that summer. Um, I worked as an intern um, studying humpbacks through photo identification studies and studying their behaviors. I worked with different students from around the world. Um, and that's where I met the Whalewise team as well when I was mm-hmm. up in Iceland. Um, but that internship was kind of what opened the door for me and uh, finding this excitement and joy in being around the whales and studying them. Absolutely. That's really awesome. Um, Do you have any tips for people that are interested in participating in citizen science, which I'm realizing I don't think I've covered in any episode on this podcast, and I didn't cover it when we first brought it up. So for people listening, citizen science is essentially just a way that you can contribute information to the scientific community by submitting photos or geographic information um, there's a variety of ways that you can do this. You can, you know, do it through iNaturalist or Happy Whale. Um, but yes, back to the original question. So people that are interested in this, any tips for them getting involved? Any like best resources for um, how to be an impactful and effective citizen scientist? I would say just to research different groups and organizations and what their, you know, what kind of what their missions are, if it's a sustainable mission and uh wanting to help communities um and then I, I would volunteer your time because if it is for a purposeful cause then it's worth it to to lend your time and whether it be sightings reportings you know there's so many different citizen science projects that are in this world right now um and thankfully with social media we can be able to find these and to lend our voices absolutely why do you think it's important that citizen science is something that's available to people? Can you ask that again? Sorry. Um, why do you think that citizen science is important? Um, I mean, citizen science is so crucial because then we can hear from different people and gather data around the world. Um, it's crucial to figure to learn more about these species that are that we surround ourselves with. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think citizen science is another bridge between one of those gaps of science and the public. Um, because science is exclusive and inaccessible because you have to have a degree. It's hard to read the literature and the literature is expensive. Um, and so I think citizen science is another way of showing people like, hey, like, you know, while science has a reputation for being really challenging, you the skills are, are learnable and you can do this. And then hopefully people are able to kind of feel that magic that you described feeling with the orcas, you know, through those citizen science projects while contributing to something that's impactful. Um, but you've brought up, you know, this theme of impact a lot. And I think that that is, it's really important because there, you know, we do need to be mindful in our efforts to conserve these whales and what we're doing. Um, why do you think that it is, you know, important to keep the idea of like impact and our goals in mind when, you know, going forward with our work? I mean, I think it's important to keep in mind, even when, you know, things may turn south or things may not, may not go our way, we have to have this mindset to continue to move forward and to continue to help others, even though at times it may feel, you know, we may not be seeing progress or change. I think we need to keep having that mindset um, in life and within the environment. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, resilience is key. Adaptability is key. Um, but I think staying true to your, to your values and like the idea of doing things with impact is really important. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, I've personally seen like different people in the field who maybe just haven't had like the same sort of training, um, or, you know, animals do get exploited. That's just like a part of this. There, there are whale watch companies that exploit whales. There are photographers that exploit whales and I don't think that they do it from a place of harm I think they just don't know better um and so I definitely just like want to encourage people to to think about your impact because you know like you said social media is very powerful and your work is very powerful and like you know seeing these animals really can have an impact for people so just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons um do you have any other thoughts kind of like on that theme or any anything yeah, I mean, kind of what you were touching base on with the impacts. Um, I mean, when you look at, when I was up in Iceland studying the humpbacks, we did look at, um, you know, when boats did come too close to the humpbacks or the vessels were really loud and you could see, you know, their behaviors and how they were reacting if they wanted to be left alone or whatever their behavior might have been, it was related to, you know, human activities and it was clear to see. Um, so, you know, all our impacts that we do will bounce off and it will impact others or the environment. Um, we may not always see it, but it's there in a sense. Yeah. All our impacts. Absolutely. And I, you know, that, that's why we need to rely on scientists when implementing different policies and procedures. It is really important to connect people with wildlife. That's one of the biggest reasons why they care. And I think that's how we can ultimately continue to, you know, protect our wildlife. But I think, you know, you're right. The idea of of boats having impact on whales is that is absolutely a thing that occurs. And I think the San Juan Islands, um, based on where where I have seen and what I've read up on, I think that they have the best practices. Obviously, there's always room to grow. Um, but based on what I've seen in other states, like, you know, there's an impact and I think it's a lack of awareness, 
um, partially is that it does impact the animal's behavior. We don't want to get too close. Um, how do you think that we can combat this issue? Cause I know, you know, we can implement certain policies, but ultimately I feel like people don't know. Do you think that we could maybe even use art as a way to inform people about the impacts of boating on whales? Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, kind of going back to what you were saying, a lot of people just aren't aware of certain, um, you know, when it comes to being respectful towards animals and other species. And, you know, unfortunately not everyone knows, but that's where we can use our voices and art to kind of bridge that gap and to show, you know, how can we help these animals and still be respectful at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we got to approach it from a variety of of different mediums. So like, you know, you could use art or podcasts or flyers or whatever is going to reach different people because not everybody gets their information the same way. So I, you know, I think that that's really important as well. Um, do you have any experiences or other thoughts that you found that are impactful or that you want to share or you think people should know? I don't know. It's hard to think of at the time, but I, every moment that I've experienced being around whales or um, being around the ocean, it's motivated me to, to want to help others. And I think there's so many young-minded people out here that in this world that, you know, you look at Greta Thunberg and she's been doing so much to help others, other young voices in the indigenous communities of, you know, rising up and helping. And I just... I don't know. There's so many people out here in this world that really want to help. Um, I think it's important to to recognize all the voices and, you know, where these voices are coming from as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Greta Thornburg is a great example. And she like she speaks from a place of heart and a place of science. You know, it's it's that combination of the two. And I think that's what makes her so powerful. I really have liked I like I feel like in this field in particular, a lot of the leaders that I see are women. Like, obviously, we have Howard Garrett and Kent and Balcombe and, like, all those people. But we also have, like, Gloria Pancrazi and Sea Gypsy and London Fletcher. Like, uh, London Fletcher is, like, our version of Greta Thornburg. Like, it's just, like, it's amazing to see all these bad women, like, get out there and advocate for something that they love. And, you know, that's been another huge theme is advocacy is so important in implementing change. So... You know, I think awareness is is step one, and that's where we need to we need to get everybody on the same page. Not everybody, because I mean, realistically, we're not going to get everybody, but we need to get our people who are going to be on board on board. And then I think that's kind of how we move forward in saving these whales. Um, do you think that there's anything else you know that we could be doing differently um, to be more effective in conserving the southern residents? Yeah, I mean, I would say just looking at, um, like, our daily habits each day. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be you change to a vegetarian diet, you use less plastics and materialism in your life, um, you bike to work. Little things like that, you know, will really change our impacts. Um, you know, I mean, what I've been reading up on is different pollution, noise pollution, and, you know, the lack of prey that has been available for these whales. And that's all in part because of what we control in our daily lives. Um, So I think taking a step back and looking at what we can change each day um, that will help us move forward and helping to conserve these species. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
we can see that humans are powerful. And I think especially right now during this virus, the earth has been given a break and we can more visibly see the impact of humans. But I, I don't think you should ever underestimate the power of one person. Um, so, you know, if people continue to all go out there and do their part, we're even stronger. But every single individual impacts that you just need to choose if you're going to impact negatively or positively. Um, awesome. Well, if you don't have anything else to add, I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you guys want to see more of Rosemary's work, please go ahead and check out her Instagram at Canelli Designs or visit her website at www.canellidesigns.com. I'll be sure to put the link in the description below. Also, if you guys would like to continue to support this project, we greatly appreciate you contributing to Patreon. Um, you can either find the link on our website or just put us in the search bar on Patreon's website. But thanks again, and we'll see you guys next week.